Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm your guest bailiff, Jean Gray, in for Jesse Thorne. Judge Hodgman, it's good to be in chambers with you this week. Yo, welcome uh, to yes. my welcome to the chambers. That's creepy. That is, you didn't. I didn't know it was going to be creepy. I uh, I was saying to Jesse the last time we had the chambers that I want I want to I want to create an EC style horror comic book called oh, the, oh. called Judge's Chambers, and I am the chambers keeper, and it's just me, but like a, a skeleton me with a mustache on the skeleton. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that skeletons could have mustaches. Oh yeah, that grows right. directly out of the bone. You didn't know that? I did not. I oh did yeah. Not. Oh yeah. 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 Facial hair grows directly out of the bone, that, no, and, I, and I, it I, keeps growing long after death, just like fingernails, huh? And, and tonsils. Also tonsils. Yeah. Yeah. The tonsils, fingernails, and uh, and and mustaches grow after death. That's beautiful. It's mm, um, actually I, gross. I, I feel I feel a little bit left out. Like I would like a nice mustache afterwards, but I don't think that would be a thing. Even a fake mustache, Gene. Oh well, no. Then I'm 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 good. Um, if you have a okay. if, if you have a fake mustache applied mm. bef- before your death, and I don't want to get grim here, mm. have a fake mustache applied directly before your untimely passing, which. I know and hope will not be for a thousand years. A thousand and probably two, probably mm-hmm, two, because mm-hmm. I've been taking uh, gummy vitamins. Yeah, absolutely. Did you get them from Ray Kurzweil, the Singularity guy? No. Oh, law of improv. So then they're no good. They're no good now. They're no good now. I love your I love your improv. Your <laughs> your improv your improv uh, philosophy mirrors mine. Not yes and no but. <laughs> No, I would like to just uh, shut it down and then also come up with something completely new. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yes. Uh, yes. So if you if you apply if you apply a false mustache, oh. if you apply a false mustache directly before your death, it will take uh-huh. it will become a ghost stash and it will continue to grow. That's why you apply a false mustache with spirit gum. Oh, wow. I was going to say that, and then I was really proud of myself, and now I'm just going to be down on myself for the rest oh, no, of the show. Oh, no, Gene, you, you were going to say so that? Good. It why was did, so good. Why did you stop yourself? Did you think it was too corny? It was... I doubt myself. Oh, no. don't. I doubt myself. Don't do it. Do you know why, Gene? No. I don't doubt you. That's beautiful. Thank I n- you. I never doubt Jean Grey. You did such a great job last week as a get bailiff with the with those weirdos whose case we had to judge. But now we're just in chambers, and it's just yeah. you, and, you and me ha- having a beverage, talking, and mm-hmm. ju- and judging. And the nice thing about these chambers episodes is the people aren't even here. No, they're not. So we can talk about them behind their backs, which is fun. and I'm. Oh man, that that excites me more than anything, and and that also there's a lot of velvet in here. Yeah, did you notice? I had all of the walls and ceiling upholstered with velvet. Yeah, no, I um I got here about an hour early. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of rolled around on the walls just to calm me down a little bit. Yeah, but the floor is so. the floor is still linoleum that will never change. Yeah. No, you can't change that. It's durable. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. It cleans up easy. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. You can't if you get spirit gum on on that floor. How are you going to get that out? Please don't get it on my velvet walls and ceiling. No. I also bricked in all the windows. Did you notice? 
Yes, yeah. I, I did notice because yeah. I, I tried to open it, but it was it was um, not a window any longer. And then I noticed in that antechamber over there, there's a cask of Amontillado that I think you would enjoy. Hmm. You should go in Maybe. there later. Maybe, um, probably after like the second letter, because I'm going to need something to, you yeah. know, just keep me going. This is part of my whole EC style horror comic book. All right. Why don't we do the first case? Let's do and that. Just, we're just going to knock them out. That, we're okay. going to knock them out. That's what we're going to do. Okay. I was trying it's to like think. It's a fight. Yeah. Is that what that, when you say knock them out, does, where does that come from? It's not, it's not a fight. You don't knock a whole bunch of people out in a row when you're knock when you're, uh, boxing. But it's not uh, like a, it's not a knock them out of the park. It's not a baseball bases ball thing, no. is it? What do you per- think? Perhaps, uh, perhaps a kung fu fight. Yeah, it's a kung fu fight. All of these cases are a line of evil ninjas, and they're going to come fighting at us one at a time. <laughs> and you, they're they're just going to surround us in a yep. circle, and, and they're going to take knock gonna, them out. Yeah, they're going to take their, they're going to take turns. There's no way mm-hmm. that they would ever attack us at the same time. No, because that would be entirely too useful. All right, first ninja case. Um, Go for it. First ninja. First ninja. uh, Faith writes, I file suit against my friend and roommate Jordan. Jordan says the toilet paper is a perfectly suitable substitute for paper towels or Kleenex. For example, if there's a spill in the kitchen, he will insist that toilet paper will do the job in regards to cleaning it up. I believe that there is a vast and important difference between toilet paper and paper towels or Kleenex. Toilet paper should not be used as a substitute unless you are desperate. Judge Hodgman, will you issue a ruling? Yes. I find mm. against Faith immediately <laughs> because of her terrible, terrible grammar. I wanted to say something about that. Yeah, well, you go ahead, Jean. Let's um, see if you, yeah. if you caught the same thing I caught that drove me insane. Was it right in the beginning? No. Tell me oh, yours. No, there was, there's, wait. There's and and ors and, and things Yeah, that's that are, the one that was driving yeah, me crazy. Yeah. A vast uh, and important difference between toilet paper and paper towels. And paper towels. Or, or Kleenex. Kleenex. So, sorry, Faith. Yes. I mean, obviously, uh, Jordan is wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you wouldn't clean up your house. Like, let's say you you do a lot of cooking, do you not, Jean? Yes. I see I a lot. I see a lot of the food that you make on mm-hmm. your Instagram, which is, yes. what's your Instagram? So the people know. Uh, it's Jeannie Grigio Jeannie on the gram. Grigio. Grigio. G-R-I-G-I-O, like the wine. Correct. And uh, and uh, and it all looks delicious. But let's say you spilled uh, some 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 wine mm-hmm. or some olive oil or mm-hmm. any other cooking liquid. Would you Anything. ever? Would you mop that up with a with a with a piece of toilet paper? No, um, one, because I'm not a savage, uh, right. and I also would not use Kleenex because Kleenex is a facial tissue. It is, yeah. it is, it's to be used for the face. Yes. It was invented to take off uh, cold cream, and it's very thin, and it's very delicate, again, because it is used for the face. Right, and I sometimes... No, I'm not going to say this. It's too gross. I was going to talk about oh, no. cold cream on my it. cold cream on my bum. Sometimes oh. I use toilet paper to remove cold cream from my bum because it Have is also using- very thin and very soft. <laughs> yes, both both the toilet paper and my bum. Yes, and and both areas need uh, great care. Yeah, uh, they're they're very delicate. Um, I'm not sure why you've been putting um, makeup on your bum, but that's kind of your thing, I guess. Yeah. I'm not against it. The point is that if you if you use toilet paper to mop up a spill in the kitchen, 
What's going to mm-hmm. happen, Gene? Because we've uh, all dogs been dogs and cats getting married. Dogs and cats getting married. Where are we going here? You well, know, I just, where do we stop? Yeah, it's it's first of all, it's madness. These things have different categories for a reason. They're made for different purposes. Second of all, we've all gotten to the point where we've had to use uh, toilet paper. We've run out of paper towels. And we've used toilet paper instead, and the toilet paper falls apart in his hand. We've also all been in the in the terrible situation where we run out of toilet paper and we use paper towels, and we won't even talk about what happens then. No. So let's just draw the line. There's civilization for a reason. Jordan, mm-hmm. you're wrong, but Faith, keep your uh, conjunctions straight. Toilet Seriously. paper and paper towels and Kleenex would be the correct way to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, could it be toilet paper, comma, paper towels... And Kleenex or Kleenex, just leaving out the. Oh, there's a difference and. between this and this, right? That's what, that's what you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't. You would never say there's a difference between cats or dogs, right? I guess oh, let's. You, mm. That I, I understand why Faith made this mistake. She made it in. I hate myself. Good faith, but <laughs> oh, but it's so early in the show. It's still wrong. <laughs> it's so early. You could say toilet paper, comma, and paper towels, comma, and Kleenex if you were going to use serial commas, which we talked about a couple times ago, Mm -hmm. or just, just, you know, just be clear and plain and everything else. All right, let's move on to the next one. Um, On to another page. Page writes. Oh. Mm, Thank you. Oh, I guess I, I guess I deserve that. A little bit. It's okay. Let's turn Um, the page (laughs) on that case. (sighs) Um, I would like to file a complaint against my 15-year-old son, Leonard, which is a pseudonym. I should surely hope so. Sorry. Uh, yes. Sorry, people it's, named Leonard. Nobody's, nobody's son is named Leonard, who's 15. It's, just... not a, it's not a name that's in favor at, uh, these days. E- even no. even in a place like Brooklyn, where kind of old-timey, out-of-date names are often yeah. resurrected by... Uh, self-aggrandizing parents who want to feel interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So there are a lot of Lucius's and mm-hmm. and Edmunds and so forth. But I haven't seen a there's not a new Leonard for a while. What's no, not name? in Brooklyn. No, not in Brooklyn. All right, sorry. Yeah. If, so, oh. Whatever. I'm. I apologize for interrupting. Go on. Yes, uh, our family enjoys listening to podcasts in the car. In addition to Judge John Hodgman, we also listen to a certain public radio quiz show with a Canadian host and exceptional house musician. We like to call out answers if we know them. Well, let's not be coy, Paige. We all know what you're talking about, and it's fine for you to <laughs> buzz market. Ask me another uh, hosted by Afira Eisenberg and Jonathan Colton. We like it, too. All right. What's the yes. issue? Here's the issue. Leonard and his dad had listened to an episode of the quiz show while driving to a chalet. Oh, must be nice. Oh. Mm. Okay. Uh, late. Yeah, oh, fancy. Mm-hmm. Later that week, I put on the same episode as I was driving Leonard and his female companion home from a party. There are a lot of unanswered questions in this letter. We'll put mm, it. I'll put a pin in that, and let's move on. Okay. Leonard shouted out the answers as if he was hearing the show for the first time. I didn't out him in front of his lady friend, but I want to ask you to issue an injunction that prevents him from calling out the answers if he has already heard the show. I also ask that you award damages to me in the form of three hours of silence at a time to be chosen by me. Um, let me ask you a couple of questions, Gene, because kids these days, you and I are about, yes. uh, I, I don't know what's going on with these kids these days, right? But when you were 15, they're kooky, they're kooky right? Kooky kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you were 15 years old, 
Did you have someone who could be described as a gentleman friend or a lady friend? Do you know what I'm talking um, about? Yes, I, I most certainly did not. And if I um, had one, uh, even that I thought of in my mind, I definitely uh, would not be anywhere in the uh, general area of my parents. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, maybe I, I'm an only child who never who continues to believe he doesn't deserve happiness or affection. So I never mm-hmm. had anyone in my life until I was much older in mm-hmm. later in my teens, that I started dating, you know, 15, I guess people did date. I guess people dated. I remember some people dated in like eighth grade, even in my elementary school. But I, I, I find that to, I don't know. Leonard seems very precocious. Let me ask you another question. When you were 15 year old, Gene, were you a big fat liar? Uh, no, I was not. Right. I was not. I was not. Um, but, you know, uh, what can you do when you come from a family that's already lying about your name? You know, where, yeah, where do you learn point. this behavior? Good point. And also are yeah. going to chalets all the time. This whole family yeah. is weird. It's 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 it, it's like they're it's you know what it's like? It's a family of Swiss supervillains. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like they all have different identities. Mm-hmm. They're going, they're driving to chalets and to mm-hmm. parties all the time. Eating uh, chocolate. Yeah. The 15 year old uh, son uh, has, has, uh, is, is, in, is engaged. It's probably on his third engagement. Yes. And I, I kind of picture Leonard sitting in the back of the, of the, of the Bentley uh, mm-hmm. wear, wearing a, 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 a white suit and then yelling out the answers to the questions of ask me another at, to deceive this young, this poor young woman that, Maybe he picked up by the side of the road. Like now I'm imagining that Leonard mm. is 15 years old. His mom is whatever her age is. They're driving around together in, in elegant white clothing in a, in, a, in a luxury car in Switzerland. And they pick mm-hmm. up a 19-year-old backpacker whom Leonard quickly seduces by lying to her about his knowledge of American uh, slash Canadian trivia shows. And the whole thing is gross. And I find distinctly against, I don't find a lot in favor of Paige, but definitely against Leonard. Knock it off, Leonard. Don't lie to people, either by directly or by omission or by pretending you know things you don't. Then leave that to me. Very fair. I do award damages to Paige in the form of three hours of silence at a time chosen by me. I think it should be in the car. Yeah, three hours of silence in the in the car. <laughs> in That's the car. It. Three hours of okay. three hours of awkward silence driving your fifteen year old and his girlfriend around because that's the way it should be. Weird. Yeah. 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 Just completely awkward. Absolutely. All right. Okay. What's next? We are moving on to. We, you Lauren. know what we're doing? We're knocking them out. Mm. We're knocking them out. We are knocking them out. That that one may have been a roundhouse kick. Whoa! Flying, uh, I'm not flying sure. yes. roundhouse. Yes, of course. Uh, right, that's right. What, do I, what else? What, am I saying? what else? Um, another ninja uh, coming at us uh, by the name of Lauren. Uh, Lauren writes: My husband and I are involved in an ongoing dispute in the bedroom. I have a teddy bear that I have slept with since childhood. This took a very, a, a very, a very, <laughs> a very d- weird turn. <laughs> Initially, yeah, right. I was like, wait a minute, this is a family podcast, isn't it? And now I'm doubly concerned about where and this is yeah, going. It got even uh, more. I'm more concerned. All right. Let's uh, go. I'm prepared to be even more concerned. Right. Um, Ted Rico uh, has seen better days. Is that the teddy uh, Ted, bear or the husband? Ted is the bear, right. not the husband. All right. Um, but uh, I still enjoy sleeping with him nightly. Uh, the bear, not the not, husband. Right. Um, 
My husband's jealousy and disdain for this extramarital snuggling leads to constant complaints and more recently, bear napping attempts in which Ted is hidden from me. Uh, I would like the honorable fake internet Judge John Hodgman, hmm, to issue an injunction against any further bear abductions and order Ted Rico a permanent bedtime visa. Uh, to clarify, uh, fake internet judge John Hodgman means that I am a fake internet judge, not that the internet is fake. Oh, because I was going to agree with that and then kind of feel away about the other one. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's something that comes up from time to time. Uh, I I slept with my blankie mm-hmm. into freshman year of college at Yale University. Mm. Um, it very prestigious. Uh, so, and, and I don't know why I did not realize how. It you know I didn't I didn't realize at the time how, how strange and humiliating it was to be doing that. I mean, it's not like I cuddled with it, but I had it still. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason is that um, it's a huge transition, and obviously, yes. a security blanket conveys much more security than warmth, especially when it's essentially three patches of of quilted material barely hung together by a thread. At that point, yes. So, uh, did did your blankie have a name? Blanky. Hmm. Yeah. Or, original? Uh, descriptive. Uh, yes. Accurate? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No one <laughs> no one would accuse me of being inaccurate. No. Uh no. and no one would accuse me of being particularly sexy at the time either, because I slept with a blankie. <laughs> but the reason, of course, is that I was terrified of becoming an adult and I was holding on to this thing, and we all were. Like no one really judged me because there everyone you know, uh, boys and girls alike brought these various totems from their childhood. And it Mm might have been a stuffed animal or might have been a blankie or might have been a a Calvin and Hobbes book, which, by the way, you can read well into adulthood. That's fine. But, you know, these these little power objects that that allowed them to hold on to uh, their childhood as they were being terrified of their incoming adulthood, right? And that's fine. Yes. But uh, if you are a married person and you are not a freshman... Uh, or excuse me, first year student at a college or age equivalent in life. That feels a little, I I think it's time to put childish things aside. What do you think, Jean? Um, I, I, I do actually agree. And I just kind of think, you know, if it's something that's uh, bothering the person that you're with and it's, it's nothing that's any, it's not going to be destructive to you to let go of uh ted rico you know yeah. and he's he, he doesn't want to throw don't have to throw him away um yeah you know just you, you kind of got to be okay with that you have a, a a real live ted rico you know that's that's yeah. pretty cool yeah. most people don't have that so uh you know uh sort of embrace your your human happiness there maybe Sleeping in bed and everything that happens in bed is both a mixture of altruism and selfishness. You have to compromise. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I can't. This thing is literally coming between you. And um, unless unless this uh, uh, stealing and recovering of teddy bear is something, some kind of exciting game for you, 
And I don't ah. think it, I think that you would like to believe that it is Lauren. I have a feel, and I, I have a feeling that your husband is like, please don't, please don't have this thing in, in bed with us, this childhood yeah. totem in bed with us. Yeah. It, it you know, um, I, I, perhaps she, uh, considers it a, a sexy game. Um, and I'm pretty sure that, uh, that he is, he is not feeling the same way. No. Did you ever have a, a, a stuffed animal or a special lovey or something like that in childhood, Jean Grey? Um, just hope. Just hope? Just hope. Yeah. Uh, and then, then I let it die. I oh, let it die. yeah. Well, you had to move on to adulthood, didn't you? You know, yeah, that was kind of it. And then, and then you just learn how to deal with that. Um, yeah, I was about a six or so when I just, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm good. Ooh. I'll be okay. Jean, Dark. Jean Grey becomes Dark Phoenix in the comics. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Please don't. And in real life, that for me, it was around six. Uh, uh, very, very different. A little, little earlier on in life. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I, I, I think at my old, uh, <laughs> at my old house in Brookline, Massachusetts, somewhere in a box, there's still a stuffed Opus the Penguin from Bloom County. If, oh, that's awesome. If you would like I, me to, if you would know. like me to send it to you. I, I will accept that. It may be infested with ants. <laughs> then that's so many more things to love. But you know, now what, it's not just one thing. It's many. You know what? There never was and never will be. No. A Hobbs the Tiger stuffed animal. You know why? No, I do not. Because Bill Waterston, who who made that comic strip, refused any merchandising offers. Why is that? He just in, in a in a I'm not I'm not trying to because he hates money. Uh, no, because because oh. he felt because <laughs> he I think because he felt it was sort of I mean you know he's a notorious. Not notorious. <laughs> He's not like a villain. He's not like Leonard and Page. <laughs> no, not. He is not. a. He is. He has become a recluse. Mm-hmm. And Calvin and Hobbes. Have you? Did you read Calvin and Hobbes? You read the comic strips in the when you were growing up at the Chelsea Hotel um, there. Kind of. Kind of. Not just not to say that I'm not uh, not a fan of it. Right. Just, you read uh, comic books. Yes, I liked. I liked. I needed extended stories. Like I didn't want to wait. Right. Um. Yeah, I didn't have any patience also. Right. And also in New York, you know, in, where, in, in Boston, where I grew up, the comic pages were, was a page in the Boston Globe, the, the, the newspaper for record there. But in New mm-hmm. York, if you wanted to read the comics, you had to pick up like the post and who wants to do that? Right. Nobody, nobody right. wants to do that. Um, right. the, I don't remember the post ever being brought into the home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Calvin and Hobbes. Is a, is a beautiful piece of literature. I highly recommend people read and reread it. I'm, I've been rediscovering it because of these weird young humans who live in my home. And he yes. stopped doing it after, I think he did it for 10 years. And he said, I think that's enough. It's never going to get better. And after a while, this boy has to grow up, you know? Mm-hmm. They had already played with the timeline you know, enough because he had remained whatever age he was supposed to be, 10 years old for 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, and the del- and the delicacy of this boy maintaining this this fantasy life with his lovey, with his Hobbes, the tiger that would then in his imagination turn into a real tiger. And, and, the, and that delicate game of, who, you know, of, of when he's the tiger and when he's not, it's like you can you couldn't play that game forever. 
And so no. Bill Waterston said, all right, that's enough. And he, and he retired and, and, uh, and he went out to uh, Ohio and I think he just paints watercolors and oil paintings now. Very talented artist. He's popped up every now and then for an interview and he did some, he did some guest cartooning on another comic strip. The name is escaping me at the moment, just the past year. I think it was Pearls Before Swine, but Otherwise, he stayed. He just he wasn't interested. He wasn't interested in in milking this thing for as much money as he could ever get in the world. Yes, because he liked the thing too much. Do you know what I mean? Um, I I I, I absolutely respect that, and I think it's a really beautiful thing. There's a lot of you know uh, musicians and and people in general. You're like, man, I I really wish he would just stop. While things are good, <laughs> and then they don't, and they right. go on, and you're like, man, you you could have stopped like three albums ago, and and not uh, taken us all down on this path with you, right? Or um, or you know, the or a musician changes the yes. things they're interested in, and that's okay. Yeah, and and it it, evolves, right? And people people, what I think what Bill Watterson figured out, and many it takes a long time for a lot of artists maybe a lot longer for a lot of artists to figure out is that a you change as an artist, whether you want to mm-hmm. or not, and you become interested in different things and you have to, or you become less interested in the thing you're doing. And, but that B everybody, everyone who likes your stuff, they just want the same thing over and over again. Right. Exactly. And, and that's not going to happen. And, and you know, that thing already exists and it's, it it's wonderful and they're yeah. able to go back and enjoy it. Um, but just as people, we have to evolve. We can't stay the same. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's an amazing choice. That's wonderful. But and the, now I'm totally going to get into Calvin. And oh Holmes. yeah. You, you, sh- you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you a book as a thank you for doing such a great job guest bailing. Yay. And also I'm going to send you a uh, stuffed Hobbs. Oh, cause I, uh, the point is that I'm, I'm releasing my own bootleg stuffed Hobbs. Ziz. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. You didn't mean, yeah, you may, you may, you may have seen as you walked into the, into the chambers, there's a, there's I have a huge antechamber to the chamber that is just full of thousands of, uh, of, of bootleg stuffed Hobbses that I'm going to start selling. Yeah. So sorry, Bill Waterston, but the, the people want it. You know what I mean? They do. Yeah, they do. And, and, you know, all those wonderful things said, um, capitalism. So good job on that. And speaking of capitalism, Gene, I believe we need to take a quick break for a few messages. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Break time. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step-by-step, day-by-day, bird-by-bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really 
help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame, you can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Okay, um, here is our next letter. All right. Joseph writes... 
I grew up in Syracuse and went to college in Manhattan. I lived in Chinatown and Astoria before moving to Hong Kong. Now, when people ask where I'm from, I just say New York. If they ask follow-up questions or if it comes up, I'll tell them my story. Well, let me just say, Some first of, of colleagues- all, it's an amazing story. It's it's I know, it's epic. I don't know why you would deny people that story <laughs> until this they really push you for yeah. it. Like, <laughs> go, all right, all right, Joseph, go on. The amazing Joseph. Yeah. Um, some of my colleagues and friends, mostly British and American-born, claim that I'm misrepresenting myself as a New Yorker, and that I should always make clear that I'm not from the place that they think of when I say New York. I think that people are usually being polite when they ask where you're from and they don't want to know the details. I'm legitimately from New York, both in the sense that I'm from the state and that I lived my entire adult life in the city before moving here. Can I refer to myself as from New York without further clarification unless they ask for it? First of all, Joseph, let me just say I'm sure your story is very interesting. I I was making a little fun there. I don't think you're boring just because you grew up in Syracuse. Went to college in Manhattan. I lived in Chinatown and Astoria before moving to Hong Kong. The Hong Kong part is fascinating. And -hmm. I'm sure all the rest before it is pretty interesting, too. I'm sure you loved and lost. And there's probably more to it than that. So I apologize for saying that it wasn't much of a story. But I will say, Jean Grey, I alluded to this before. You grew up in New York City. Mm -hmm. Specifically, the Chelsea Hotel. You lived there mm-hmm. from ages what to what? Um, from three months uh, and then uh, on and off uh, after 16 till about 30 something. Yeah, right. So yeah. do you think Joseph can be out there in Hong Kong going, hey, I'm from New York? What do you um, think? I, I will, I will accept. Uh, yes, I say that I'm a New Yorker, and I was, you know, not uh, born here. But um, my my mom also al- always said she was a New Yorker, also not from here, but spent many many years in New York. Um, mm, I just have an issue with uh, living in Astoria because I just don't consider Queens part of New York. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair and fair enough. But but where yeah. were you? Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Cape Town, South Africa. All right. And where were you? Where would you say you were raised? I was raised in Manhattan, in, in Manhattan. New York. You, yes, were you raised in Syracuse? No, I was not raised in Syracuse. Right. Um, I know that I I'm from New York because, uh, and I would tell. Uh, my friends from the other boroughs, that when I uh, wrote out my address, I would write New York, New York, and then they would write something else before New York. Yeah, precisely. So, so yeah. Uh, uh, you're very generous, Gene. Mm. But I, I don't, I'm not letting Joseph get away with this. <laughs> <laughs> this nonsense that he's larky. from New York. <laughs> I mean, no question, Joseph. You are from you are from New York State, but under no circumstances are you legitimately from New York. Everyone no. understands what you're saying when you say, even in Hong Kong, when you say I'm from New York, the implication is that you are from New York City, City. and you are and you are misrepresenting yourself. I don't care if you lived in Chinatown and Astoria, and and went to college in Manhattan. I'm sure you had some very formative experiences there. But when you say you're from a place, Mm -hmm. I think that automatically connotes where you were 
if not exactly born where you were raised for the for the bulk of your childhood and adolescence. Because mm-hmm. when you go to college, that's when you leave home. You know what I mean? Unless you go to yes. college in your home. You know, that, that's when you that's when you you break out and start your adult life. I've lived in New York for 21 years, but in no way am I from New York. I am from Brookline, Massachusetts. I've lived in New York for 21 years. Right. You could live you could live in Hong Kong for the rest of your natural life, but would you ever say you are from Hong Kong? I doubt it. You would say I live in Hong no. Kong or I make Hong Kong my home. My home. Um, I, I, I've lived on and off uh, pretty much in, in Brooklyn for about 20 years yeah. now. Um, and I've done a song, uh, uh, the, the third part of the Crooklyn Dodgers. And I, I, I specifically said, why are you guys having me on this song? I'm definitely not from Brooklyn. Yeah. And I took great care to explain my entire verse is just saying how I'm not from Brooklyn. Yeah, right. I mean, that, that's an important distinction in the same way that Joseph could never and I trust would never say I'm from Chinatown. Right. I no. mean, like that that's you lived in that neighborhood, that neighborhood that is uh, uh, a, a multi-ethnic neighborhood, but one largely defined by the fact that it is home to many, many, many Chinese Americans. You know what I mean? That's yes. a very specific signifier. It's very specific. It's in the yeah. name. Yeah, they put it in the name, town. They put it in right there, yeah. right there. Exactly. So, uh, and so, I mean, I think you need to examine why you're embarrassed to say you're from Syracuse, New York, because that's the easiest thing. When someone says, where are you from? I'm from Syracuse, New York. That's a fair thing to say. It's not it misleading. is a very fair thing to say. No, I, um, you know, for again, for me, for many years, it was difficult for me uh, during rap shows, as rappers do, and yeah. call out where they're from, um, you know, and call out neighborhoods. So it was, uh, I'm from Chelsea, and it kind of wasn't the thing to shout right. at that time. Um, but now, being an adult and not caring, that is, I, I say that a lot. No, I'm from specifically Chelsea. Being an adult is not caring about what other people think of you mm-hmm. more, t- more often than not. And it's a, yes. it is a huge consolation, not, not, not getting wrapped up in what other people think of you based on the signifiers you're giving them about where, where you're from or what your culture is or what you believe or what, what kinds of TV shows you like, just liking the things you like and being who you are and not caring about that stuff is a huge relief in one's life. That you are not feeling because you're still you're still implicitly deceiving the English and American people you're meeting in Hong Kong. Um, but letting go of that is a, is a huge consolation of aging that that doesn't make up for the fact that you're that much closer to death and also you are weird and old now. But it's it mm-hmm. gives you but enjoy it. That's all. When it when you grow, the, you can enjoy that consolation before you turn into a weird mustache dad like me. You can do, you can start now and just <laughs> just say who you are and where you're from. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. We're going to move on. Do you feel? I feel good about that. I feel good about it, too. Okay. Um, We're moving on to Anne. Uh, Anne writes, uh, I'm a little confused by this. Uh, I'll read it a couple of different ways. My husband, Jim, Jesse, and I. So to clarify, she's saying her husband's name is Jim, Jesse, and not my husband, Jim, Jesse, and I. Oh, right. Another Boy, oh boy, it's a real eat shoots and leaves up in here. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Well, we'll see if we can figure it out in context. Okay. My husband, Jim, Jesse, and I have had a longstanding dispute over the priority of watering our gardens when we go on vacation. He thinks we should turn off the water to the house and instead ask neighbors to water our garden using either watering cans or by dragging garden hoses from their yards over to water ours. His desire to turn off the water when we left when we leave stems from an oh sorry, it had leaves and stems in it. it I know, confusing. right? I, know. <laughs> I was thinking about that too. When we leave stems all over the place, <laughs> his desire to turn off the water when we leave stems, stems from an incident. Yes, that occurred twenty years ago when a pipe broke in our home over Thanksgiving, dropping ten thousand gallons of water through our ceiling. I don't think it's fair to ask our neighbors to supply time and water to our garden. Judge Hodgman, who is right? Well, first of all, I guess this I guess the husband's name is Jim Jesse. Jim Jesse. I want to believe that that's true. So I guess this is and and I've never heard and Jesse didn't emerge as a character in this in this little No, uh, he did not. Which was morality play. So it's got to be Jim Jesse, which is a pretty good name. That's awesome. Um but Jim Jesse is wrong. Good name, mm-hmm. wrong ideas. Because here's the thing, I don't, I don't get, I don't know why your pipe broke 20 years ago. There's only, there's only one reason that I know as a, as a homeowner that pipes break or that people are anxious about pipe break is because they have a house in some Northern climb where they don't live all the time. And, uh, they're worried about, uh, the water in the pipes freezing because there might be a power outage and the furnace stops working. And when mm. that happens, that is a big, expensive, horrible, devastating problem. And I could imagine if it happened to you, it would be uh, uh, traumatizing. Sounds awful. Yeah, it's all, you know, it's like you get the. Uh, it's not happened to me, but you, we we have friends who have a home in Maine. Um, their uh, the the wife is from Maine, and they went back to their house in Maine one time, and uh, it was just like this big frozen. It was it was like a water a frozen waterfall in their kitchen. Beautiful but, but awful. Right, but I mean not even a waterfall, like a frozen fountain. Like somehow it come oh up out, it burst out of the out of the floor and created oh. this huge cascade of frozen water. It was like walking into your house and suddenly it's Narnia, and you owe <laughs> except you owe a bunch of money, <laughs> and your house that's, is messed. That's up. a different Narnia. Yeah, exactly. But. Uh, you know, there, in that's the case, you do want to turn off the water and drain the pipes when you're going away for a long time. Uh, but, uh, since that hasn't been brought up as an issue, I, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, maybe, maybe their home froze over Thanksgiving. My point. I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm just confused as to why hiring a a gardener is not an option. Well, that's right. Here's the thing. Like, uh, if they're leaving, if they're leaving during cold months, then watering the garden shouldn't be an issue. If they're leaving during warm months and watering the garden is necessary, then your pipes aren't going to freeze. So what happened with your Thanksgiving pipe disaster was some kind of structural anomaly that I don't know about. And I'm sure lots of people are going to write in and tell me how this happens all the time. But I've lived, I've, I've lived in a lot of different houses for 43 years. I've never heard of just spontaneous pipe failure being a thing you need to worry about unless it's freezing outside. So if you are asking your neighbors to water your garden and your lawn and so forth, they're doing you a favor, presumably, and you shouldn't mm-hmm. unduly burden them 
with a with a watering can drag hose scheme uh, because you are paranoid about something happening that will never, ever, ever happen again if, as long as you take reasonable care. And I would say you're absolutely right, Gene. Why not hire a gardener? Uh, yeah. Why not hire someone who can turn on the water, water the lawn, turn off the water and drain and do a, a quick drain of the pipes again? Or even better, have some local uh, uh, kid or college student house it for you and leave the water on and walk around your house and wear your clothes and pretend to be you and read all your secrets. Uh, oh. <laughs> no, house sitting, you know, let's let let someone look in on the house and take proper care of it rather than uh uh deadbeating uh off your neighbors and getting them to do all kinds of weird work for you. Watering cans. What what yeah, decade do I, we I live in? I don't know in? what year it is. I don't know what year it is. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I, there's all sorts of reasonable options, many of which you have just presented, uh, and I feel like they haven't taken the time to uh, to discuss those, even though it's been a long-standing dispute. So I'm a little confused. Jim Jesse, you're wrong. Okay, we're going to move on. All right, knocking him out. Knocking him out, kicking him in the face. Um, Evan, Evan writes. I have a habit of leaving the cruise control on in my car at all times. My wife insists I should turn it off whenever I'm not actively using it. She says, A, it will burn out the light on the dash, which has never happened in any car I've owned, and B, a slip of the finger could engage the cruise control, which I argue is disengaged with a tap of the brakes. I am more than willing to acquiesce to her preference when I'm driving her car, though I occasionally forget and leave it on. But Judge Hodgman, should I refrain from leaving cruise control on as a default? And is my wife allowed to treat me as a danger to the public if I forget to turn it off? Gene, you grew up in New York City. New York, New York. Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yes. Do you have a driver's license? I do not. And yeah. I was going to say that I can't answer any of this because I know zero things about cars. Yeah, this is all gobbledygook to you. It's it all moon nothing. man language. Nothing. Uh, do you know how to drive a car? Um, I understand how cars function. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch that episode of Adventure Time with Weird Al Yankovic doing the voice of their next door neighbor who explains how trucks work in very, no. dis- very distinct <laughs> detail? It's almost amazing. <laughs> Adventure Time, you guys, if you're not watching it. Are you watching it's it, Gene? It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. It's really one of the most important shows on television. I think it's just so smart, funny, humane, interesting. The characters are really rich and sad and funny. Mm-hmm. And this episode where it's called, I think it's called Found a Truck. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's about Jake, a human child, and no, excuse me, Finn, a human child, and Jake, a magical dog who live in a weird uh, 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 Narnia-like other world called Ooh, and, and Finn finds a truck, and they, they recruit their, their neighbor, who's some other kind of creature, who's voiced by Weird Al Yankovic, to help them fix it. And the Weird Al Yankovic character then, they said, well, do you know how trucks work? And he says, of course. And he goes on in what feels like a 15-minute disquisition on how internal combustion engines work that is totally accurate. And it's like, wow, I learned a lot right then. It was great. <laughs> it was extremely educational. It was great. No, I should probably watch that episode and then uh, probably never use that information because I, uh, I have a fear of speed 
Yeah. So well, let me say this to you. If you, if you, knowing how an internal combustion engine works is not going to help you to drive at all. No. But uh, when you learn, or if you learn how to drive, you will confront what all new drivers do, which is this thing called cruise control, which is really terrifying at first blush. So cruise control, for those of you who don't know, because you either grew up in New York City or you're 12, <laughs> to my, my two demographics. <laughs> Cruise control. I myself did not get a, a, a driver's license until I was 19, having grown up okay. also on public transportation. There's no, no shame in it at all. Thank you. I feel none. Oh, that's right, because you're a grown up. You're not like, yes, you're exactly. not like Joseph worrying about no. people think I'm from New York and that I don't drive or whatever. Like, yeah. Chinatown. Joseph, blah, blah, you are blah. from Syracuse, New York, and I bet you knew how to drive the day you were 13. <laughs> They just, as soon as, uh, they just put them right in a car. Yeah, they just exactly. born and right. they just put them right behind the wheel. That's right. So cruise control is this thing. If you are driving on a highway and you're going to be maintaining the same speed for a long period of time, let's say you're driving across Montana uh, or any, you know, any place uh, where it's safe to do so, you have a mechanism called cruise control. You can turn oh, wait, it. I, I think I know this. I think I know this. Right. You so can, if, if you select cruise control, can you actually, this is, you can take your foot off the gas. Is that a thing? Exactly. Can I, okay. That right. is creepy. Yeah. It's, you know, it's creepy and uh, it, it's, you turn on, you turn on the cruise control function and then it's on and then a little light comes on a very confusing icon that looks a little bit like a sundial comes on your dash to say cruise control is activated and then nothing will happen until you then press a different button to set the cruise control at the speed at which you're traveling or and sometimes you can even adjust it to a specific speed you want and then the car will hold that speed until you tap on the brake or the gas right just mm-hmm. you know what i mean but you're turning your car into a robot it is it is a step away from from self-driving cars, right. which are also becoming a reality and, yes. and are equally terrifying, but will soon will be absolutely normal because it's not really such a bad thing to turn your car into a robot. And no. in this, well, ca- well, the other terrifying thing about cruise control this is the best part. If you hit, let's say you're driving at the speed limit of 65 miles an hour on a, mm-hmm. uninha- uh, you know, a completely empty highway uh, and where it's utterly safe to do so. And then uh, for some reason, you have, to, you have to slow down, right? Maybe you go through a 45 mile an hour zone. You tap the gas, you drop down to 45 miles an hour, and you, and you kind of take it from there. You can then hit a button or, or activate a function called resume, in which the car will bring itself back up to 65 without you doing anything. So basically, you press mm-hmm. a button, and then the car just starts speeding up, and you're not touching anything. And it really feels oh. like, th- like like life is going out of control. And so I understand why uh, Evan's wife feels a little nervous about cruise control. If she hasn't used it, but it's a tool like any other. And the reality is that as long as Evan is using cruise control safely and responsibly, it, it's really it really can't do you any harm. You know, I guess if you are a really bad driver or you're drunk, or you're falling asleep. I guess you could fall asleep more easily uh, mm-hmm. in cruise control, and that could cause real damage. But I because you're you're cruising because you're cruising, right? You're the car's mm-hmm. the, the car's just going. But if you're an alert driver, uh, there, there's no there's and and a proper driver, there's no reason you couldn't use cruise control. And Evan, I trust that you are. 
And in no circumstances is that little sundial light going to burn out on the dashboard. That's just that's just something Evan's wife is making up. She was just doing. She was saying a thing. Trying, saying a thing to say a thing. Yeah. So but, yeah. Okay. So so if he just forgets and and leaves it on, um, in her car, if uh, when she gets in the car, can she just not look at it and then turn it off? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that Evan is being overly res- respectful by okay. saying that when he drives his wife's car, he won't turn on cruise control. Because I think the issue at hand here is that you turn on the cruise control function, and then there's a li- usually these days, and I, I rent a lot of cars in, in, my, uh, in my job as a car rental evaluation <laughs> expert. <laughs> Which is what it feels. Fight club. It's what I feel. It's what it feels like. I do most of the time. Actually, like, no. How about this Toyota Avalon? Not bad. (laughs) Try this one out. Right. It's usually like a little. It's a little lever that comes off the steering column. Uh, How did this turn into car talk? And uh, this is great. And once cruise control is activated, you can set cruise control just by flicking it. And I guess she's afraid that he's going to have some involuntary motion and accidentally freeze their car at whatever speed they're traveling at that moment, which is not in itself inherently dangerous. Like it's not an issue because if you're going to brake, it'll stop. It'll turn off automatically no matter what. So I think that it's I think that it's not a, a particularly rational fear, presuming that Evan is a responsible driver. Turning off cruise control or not activating cruise control in her car, I think, is a is a is a is a gracious gesture that is probably unnecessary. But within his car. Yeah, there's no there's no real risk that he'll accidentally set cruise control at 55 or whatever. And and what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to they're going to continue at 55. Maybe she's afraid. Maybe she's afraid that he's going to set cruise control at 65. They'll be in a 45 mile an hour zone. He accidentally clicks the resume and all of a sudden the car starts speeding up. The moment you know that's happening, the moment it happens and then you you hit the gas and it deactivates cruise control and you don't even speed up. So. Uh, I, I think that I think that uh, that Evan is uh, the correct person in this dispute and he should not be uh, treated as a danger to the public. And Evan, I'm really this is a message from me, Judge John Hodgman, to you. I am really counting on you to not get into any horrible accidents and thus besmirch the name of this podcast and my judgment. <laughs> please, please be the sa- as safe as possible now that I've given you this tool. <sighs> oh, that was wonderful. And and I learned so much. Yeah. I'll teach you to drive, Gene. Do you want to learn? I'm I uh, no. Um mm-hmm. no, I don't. I, I realize that I, I, I should and there are things that I, you know, would be able to do and everybody says, you know, the freedom it will afford you. And I was like, Well, I kind of feel at this point in my life like none of my freedoms have really been taken away. I've been pretty free. Yeah. Um yeah, I, more so. I I really like cars. Yeah, you know, so that's my my issue. I, I like the way they look. Like I would like to own a car. Right. But I kind of just feel like maybe I'll just get you know a driver. Sure, that would be exciting. That's a and nice thing to have. Yeah, and who can also um, fight fight off crime. Hmm. Um. You know, in in knock them out situations, yeah. if we are surrounded by ninjas, just kind of handle it. So you're uh, saying, what kind of car would you want to get? Dream um, car. I really like I like uh, like old Ford pickup trucks. All right. So here's the deal: Ford pickup truck, mm-hmm. 
Jean Grey traveling around the country solving crimes. John Hodgman. Yes. Her chauffeur. Mm-hmm. Just known as Mustache. I wear a this little. Great. I wear a little black suit and cap. Yes. I never speak. And whenever, whenever you're, you just, you just spend your time solving the crimes using your powers of deduction. But if you ever become physically threatened, then I come in with the Kung Fu. Is that the idea? The Kung Fu and a sword cane. Right. Yeah. I got, you know, in real life, I've well, got, I've got more than one sword cane. You know that, right, Gene? Well, I, I would expect that. All right, good. And then can we put all my uh, bootleg stuffed uh, Hobbses from Calvin and Hobbes in the, in the back of the pickup? Absolutely. Do we leave one of them as a calling card every time we solve a crime? Every time. Yes. I think this is <laughs> I think this is a good deal. I think we're going to do it. Gene, let's talk about your future. Uh, before we go, you have some things coming out. Mm-hmm. You have a collaborative album. I do. Tell me about that. Uh, um, it is uh, with a rapper and producer from Detroit named Quelle Chris. And uh, we decided we, we started talking about making this album maybe about two years ago and um, really decided we just wanted to work together on a bunch of projects. And so the album has kind of taken a long time, I guess longer, because I, I tend to do albums in, you know, two or three days, but um, really, really excited about it. Uh, and that'll be out sometime in June Great. on um, you can get it on my band camp and it'll also kick off. Uh, my subscription-based service because I think that's a really interesting way to get things to people so they don't have to keep going to look for it. Yeah. Uh, so it's already there. So when you subscribe to it, uh, to, to, the, to the system, um, you, it, it shows up already in your phone. You've got all the music. You get videos and little notes from me. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a sexy be a, photo. Whoa. Yeah. No, maybe. By maybe I mean not. Of me, right? I'm going to Yes. Right, okay, good. <laughs> That's why I made that noise. Ooh. A, a sexy photo of John Hodgman. Um Sure. Yeah, so I'm um, that's that's exciting. And so fun. that's really cool. So you're going to launch that subscription service off of your Bandcamp page or where where would we go to find out more information on that when it's time? Yes, it'll be on uh, my Bandcamp page, and which so, is Easy to find at jeangray.bandcamp.com. Jean Gray, G, excuse me, I almost made a mistake. J, J E A N G R A E dot bandcamp.com. Look for the new album with Quelle Chris called I Sweater God. Mm-hmm. Am I pronouncing that correctly? You are. All right. And you find out all the information of Jean's upcoming. And you're not going to find the information. You're going to get the songs, the pictures, the the things, the doodads, uh, the Life with Jeannie uh, YouTube web series. Is that coming back? Um, It's coming back um, in a different form that I kind of can't talk about, but um, it's going to be super awesome. And I'm 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 very excited to be. Uh, jumping back into the show and kind of doing it the way we intended in the first place. And I presume, and I presume this is a self-produced uh, uh, I- 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 improvisational, well, not even improvisational, scripted, no scripted situation comedy starring the great yes. Jean Grey. And I'm, and I presume that uh, if you subscribe to the Jean Grey life experience subscription at jeangray.bandcamp.com, you will get all the information about that as well. Right. Correct. All you right. Will. Jean Grey, you're one of my very, very favorite people, actors, comedians, rapper, singer, performer, performance artist, chef, Instagrammer. 
<laughs> you can follow you at at Gene Greasy on Twitter, J-E-A-N-G-R-E-A-S-Y. Mm-hmm. Jeannie Grigio on Instagram, and of course, jeanegray.bandcamp.com. Listen, you guys, I'm starting to do a little uh, uh, touring and a little bit of gra- uh, a little bit of, uh, of laying the groundwork for a bigger tour in the fall. Let me tell you about a couple of things that are happening on June 22nd. I am going to be in Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, I know my first time in West Virginia, thanks to Chase Henderson, a fan who has been driving to Pittsburgh the last few times I performed. He said he'll get me into West Virginia, and he did it. And nice. uh, but you can find out all the details uh, by going to johnhodgman.com uh, and click on uh, tour. Uh, and you can find all of my tour dates, including these other ones. On May 13th, 14th, uh, I will be in Boston, Massachusetts, my home Commonwealth, to perform uh, with the Boston Pops, which is the, the, the popular music version of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. The two evenings wow. are the Boston Pops plays the Beatles, so they're going to play a lot wow. of Beatles songs. But I am very excited. I will be performing uh, a new narration to uh, Benjamin Britten's A Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra. Uh, Jeannie, do you ever see uh, Moonrise Kingdom, the Wes Anderson movie? So you know how it starts with with this record playing and there's this child describing the different sections of the orchestra? Oh, wow. Just say yes. Is this what you're doing? Yes. No, no, I'm just very excited. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be really fun. It's May uh, May 13th and 14th in the evening, 8 p.m. And then again as a matinee on the 16th, uh, which is a Saturday at 3 p.m. And all the details uh, you can find by going to bso.org and clicking on their Boston Pops schedule page and you just scroll down you can buy tickets that'll also be on my website johnhodgman.com and then tickets are now on pre-sale for my big show my big fall show at the wilbur theater which is on september 12th you can go to johnhodgman.com click on tour and find your way to tickets for that because uh that's gonna be a great show i've i've played the wilbur twice now i i don't think i did it in 2014 i'm really happy to be coming back to 2015 as one of my favorite houses to play and I uh, would love to see all my people uh, from Brookline and Boston and even Newton uh, and anyone in New England who would like to come. Uh, it'll be great. And I will be, as with all of these tour dates, uh, I can't speak for the Pops because I don't know what their policy is, but all my personal tour dates, I will always come out and say hello to anyone who wants to be said hello to and, uh, and maybe even other words. So there you go. Anything That's else we awesome. need to talk about there, Gene, before we go? Um, I think I'm okay. Good. I'm good. I feel good about all of this. Our producer is Julia Smith. Our editor is Mark McConville. You can always follow me, John Hodgman, at Hodgman, at H-O-D-G-M-A-N. And, of course, Bailiff Jesse Thorne will be returning. Gene, you did a wonderful job. Uh, Thank you. But he will be returning uh, next time, I believe, unless something that I don't know about happens. But who knows? The future is always mysterious. But you can follow him at jessethorn.com. You can follow us on Facebook uh, and all sorts of other places that Jesse always knows to say, but I never do because I just use Twitter and Instagram. John Hodgman on Instagram, by the way, J-O-H-N-H-O-D-G-M-A-N. And then there's the official Judge John Hodgman Facebook page, uh, which I also contribute to sometimes. If you'd like to submit a case to Judge John Hodgman, go to maximumfund.org slash jjho there's a form you can fill out i review all the cases personally 
And uh, as well, you can always go to MaximumFun.org to check out past episodes of Judge John Hodgman, to subscribe, to listen, to dispute, to discuss on the message boards, and also check out all the other great Maximum Fun podcasts. I think that's it for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Jeannie, in Chambers. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we start to get out on the street, get in our, get into our truck, and start selling these Hobbs bootleg uh, stuffed animals? I think it's about time. All right, here we go. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.